From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, hold on to your seatbelts and wrap duct tape around your head because I think you're going to enjoy our next guest. Your head may explode with some of the work that Jason Brichars has, uh, is doing in his life. It's Archaics.com is his website. We are live here this afternoon on July 3rd, 2023. This is Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. Good to have you here. If you'd like to join the show with a question for Jason, you can email Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com or you can call. Our phone lines are open, 888-663-6386. 888-663-6386. I'm going to let Jason tell you about him, he, his work, and he goes back into some stuff make your head explode exactly uh, well it's it's an analysis of our holiest holospheric reality and uh, into all kinds of things about the history that you and I would never know unless we visit archaics.com Jason's in the great state of Texas just down the road from me Jason good afternoon nice to have you here welcome thanks for being on the show yeah um, I'm uh, I'm glad Glad for the invite. And so I didn't know you were in Texas. That's pretty interesting. There's there seems to be a lot of people in the community that are broadcasting from Texas, and that's very interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've been there about six years. Now, uh, tell folks about archaics and what it's about. I, I I would much rather have you explain it rather than me try to you know explain it. What what are you up to there? And you've been doing this uh, since the '90s, right? Early '90s. Yes, I'm new to YouTube, like three years new. I'm not, uh, uh, my channel has, has grown very rapidly, but I'm not new to the publishing. I'm not new to research. I, I have been writing and researching in the 90s and early thousands, but I've been in publishing since 2006. And since then, I've had a book published almost, almost every every 18 months since then wow but so i have a i have a lot of i have a lot of material out there a lot a lot of research packed with bibliographic citations uh i have a publisher in san diego that only publishes nonfiction, only publishes things that are are a serious mm-hmm. uh, of serious historical philosophical comparative religious value um which is what you're you know, really about right your site I think that's well said. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I didn't start that way. I started off trying to prove the Bible. I, try, I, I was born, for the first 40 years of my life, I was uh, pretty much raised in Southern Baptist dogma, oh. and I spent a lot of time just researching the Bible and trying to figure out where the source materials, where the archaeology, where are the historical facts that comport with this this fantastic narrative. Mm-hmm. And the more the more I searched, the more upset I became. But the more I searched, I also found more ancient texts that basically told very different versions of the same events. So, so there are ancient texts that actually preceded what we know of as the Bible. That whoever absolutely. put the Bible together, Jason, they use these ancient texts. These ancient texts, how far back do they go and who wrote those? Okay, well, what's interesting is uh, the chain of custody of information seems to stop in the 4th century B.C. And what I mean is, is that the Old Testament purports to be a historical 
narrative of a certain people and how all the events of world history basically happened around these people. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is we have a lot of ancient writings from the 4th century BC and the 5th, 6th, 7th century BC. Then we have this hiatus in the 8th century to the 11th century when it's almost no history. It was a dark reset period. But before that, we had even more historical writings. But this chain of custody is broken because there are no ancient sources that comport with hardly any of this these claims these old testament claims and this is a problem and it's a vast gulf of knowledge until 1849 in 1849 we found our first underground cuneiform library george smith immediately began training himself on how to decipher babylonian and syrian cuneiform then a whole new a whole new field study began among academics and this was sumerology in sumerology they began to once they cracked the code and they learned how to translate this cuneiform in the 1860s, 1870s, and 1880s, archaeologists at Nineveh, Nimrod, Nimrud, Babylon, all throughout Assyria, um, Ur, Ur, Namu, all these ancient cities, they began yielding forth uh, the, the sub-basement levels of ancient cities that had been destroyed. And in those, in those areas, we found underground libraries. Mm. We, we, now, we now have over half a million cuneiform tablets and prisms uh, to make up this vast library. And in these stories, it's absolutely shocking. What we have in the Old Testament is a Jewish version of events. But what we have in these cuneiform writings that are far older than anything that we have passed down in scrolls and vellum and parchments on Egyptian papyri and uh, in the Bibles that we have today, far older are the original stories of the Tower of Babel, the Great Flood, the Mm. invasions and wars against the giants, all these things. But in these versions, in these stories, the the Jewish people take no part at all these were the histories of the entire world these were the histories belonging to many nations many races Mm -hmm. and cultures Mm -hmm. these are the these are the histories belonging to different time periods before the great cataclysm and after the great cataclysm what we have with the old testament today is a rewriting of all the world's traditional tales filtered filtered through a lens to make it look like one people were chosen by God to rule over the rest of the world. But now that we have found the originals like the Enema Elish and the Atrahasis Epic and the Karsag Tablets, now that we have found the Epic of Gilgamesh, we understand the origin of the stories of Nimrod. Now that we have put all these things together, through the academics realize that these are all plagiarized materials and that in that a group of scholars in the fourth century bc had access to all this data because they were captives in babylon and in babylon they were able to go through the ancient libraries for which we found in 1849 all the way to 1880 so so wow so you're arguing yeah wow that's crazy so you're arguing in your research that you very good at that the whole, I don't know how to say this without getting people really angry, but the whole Christian, biblical, New and Old Testament, it just isn't what, according to you, what they say it is. And it's just not the no, word. Absolutely, absolutely not. Absolutely not. It was totally rewritten to bring favor upon a small minority of people. And 
the Christian. Now, now we're talking about the Old Testament. We're talking about the Old Testament where you just mentioned New Testament and Christianity. So I'm gonna I'm gonna address that real real succinctly. Okay. And that Christianity is f- the whole idea of the crucified God is far more ancient than the narrative of Jesus. It goes back thousands of years, and it, too, would have remained unknown to us had we not found all these date stelae and inscriptions and Egyptian wall temples and the ossuaries and the inside of these these tombs and these reliefs, the cuneiform tablets. We find fragments of this ancient faith that we call Christianity today. It is thousands of years older than the new testament the new testament narrative so uh, yes the bible we have is is absolutely packed with facts but it's also been overwritten with fictions to give certain cultures uh basically a preeminence among the families of men as if god is discretionary or a racist mm. and that would put and would put some races above others and, and who were the people that brought out the what we know as the Old Testament today and in the 1800s, who were they? In the 1800s, what do you mean? Oh, well, when they brought out this. Well, when was the version of the Bible that people talk about today brought forth in physical reality? Okay, the Bible that we have today yes, dates the, early, the earliest part today to the 4th century BC. But we have other versions of the exact same events in books that are not popular today. In fact, it is the it is the establishment in the church that 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 basically censors these types such as the Colburn Bible. The version of events of the cataclysm that affected Egypt and caused the great exodus that is told in the book of Exodus in the Bible, mm-hmm. the same event is also very, with a lot more detail explained in the Colburn Bible. This is a totally different version of events, but it's the same thing. It's the Exodus. But in the Colburn Bible version, we have all kinds of historical details that can be verified. And in the Exodus account, we don't. We have a we have a division of a sea. We have Moses turning water into uh, a rock into water. We have this this uh, de- this 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 deity or demon that jumps out of a burning bush and gives Moses the business. We have all these mythological overtones in the biblical version that are not found in the Colburn Bible. In the biblical version, we have the angel of death that appears in the sky and the ten plagues destroy Egypt and the Israelites flee and they make their exodus away and Pharaoh chases them. In the Colburn Bible, we have the doom shape. It appears in the sky and it, it, reach, it basically wrecks destruction across Egypt. And many different peoples uh, uh, escape Egypt and go in different directions, not just the Israelites. And that's a problem because the archaeological record and historians know that that area of, of, of Egypt is called Goshen. And the Goshen area of Egypt was cosmopolitan. And it's widely known by historians that that area had a bunch of different ethnicities and races and cultures all in that in that area. Northern Egypt was fundamentally different than Southern Egypt. Northern Egypt is basically the origin of the ancient Greek people, the Roman people. They all fled from this destruction in North, in North Africa, and they went and settled different areas of the Mediterranean. This is in the historical record. It's also in the Colburn Bible version. But in the 
Jewish written version of the Exodus that follows the Yahwist scribes. In this version, it's only the Israelites. And they 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 flee Egypt and they, they spend 40 years in a small tract of desert that can be walked in five days. So this is a this whole narrative just begins to fall apart upon upon tighter scrutiny, and this is why so many biblical chronologists study the Bible as a as a literary document. This is why biblical scholars aren't believers. Only the uh, um, only the stringent religionists mm-hmm. are the fundamentalists actually believe these are sticking to the historical facts. They're not. There is a lot of embellishment and redactions that are found in the biblical version of historical events. How did then this, um, excuse me, I'm pretty dumb on this stuff, but how did then the New Testament become like the the Bible of the of the Christian church? Do we know like the Christians, Christianity today? Well, well I mean, it's, it's funny you should ask. I mean, we set this podcast up a couple weeks ago, but I just released totally had nothing to do with this i just i just released uh, a couple of videos in my dark scriptures playlist and they're getting a lot of traction right now where i where i explain exactly this it's a uh, there's a there's a lot of people who get triggered when they find out that uh there's not one single we have like we have 16 we have 16 text manuscripts that still exist but there's 40 ancient writers who we have their writings today in translations and copies that all lived in the first century ad not one of these writers can comport any of the events in the new testament no figure of jesus nothing going on unusual in jerusalem none of these events uh, a miracle worker passing through and doing all these fantastic mythological events none of that no crucifixion no earthquake no sun darkening and this is this is interesting because pliny the elder and seneca and, and many others would have never these were naturalists they would have never omitted such an incident as a eclipse because they recorded them all in the first century the first century ad is one of the well most historically documented centuries and and the early church placed their narrative here and it doesn't fit it doesn't comport with any of the historical facts and all the writings that we have from the first century do not comport and this is why the new testament writings don't even date to the first century they don't date to the latter half of the second century it is then that we have the gospel of Markion. i'm not talking about what we have in the new testament today mm-hmm. matthew mark luke and john mm-hmm. matthew mark and luke and john were actually written 175 years after the events they allegedly depict it's like you and i mm. all of a sudden deciding that we want to write a book about the civil war today and publish it as an authoritative version and yet we also admit that no versions exist between the events of the civil war and you and i doing the research today so so there's nothing to cite there's no books that exist but you and i decide let's go ahead and publish a book about the civil war so you can't call that authoritative 175 years have passed with no sources so this is this is a problem. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John were composed, and they were composed using what is called the Q document. This is an academic term for quill. Quill means means a document of unknown origin, which is the source material. And 
many other scholars have come come forward and promoted promoted the fact that the Gospel of Markion was the first. It's the one that the Gospel of Mark was written from, and then Matthew was used using the using Mark, and then Luke was used. Luke Luke was written using using Matthew, Mark, and a unknown document, and then John was written using none of those because the Gospel of John is completely different than the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And uh, so the, the Gospel of <laughs> Go ahead. That's okay. So, sorry. Um, well, it's a lot. So, so the idea that the Bible, whatever, all these books written by God it's simply it was just humans that were somehow coming up with images and stories that maybe were inspired by whatever God is right but how, how do you how do you think about that in those terms Jason okay well I don't I don't want to mix the fact that I am on board that we are immortals and right. we're we're passing through a construct. This construct was not principally built by the oversoul. It wasn't built by the true God. It was built by the God of this world. And the God of this world, his chief hallmark is violence. Mm -hmm. And that's why we exist in that's why we exist in this beautiful illusion that actually hides the fact that it is extremely violent. This predator versus prey ecosphere where living biological entities must tear into, rend apart, invoke terror and and kill other animals in order for them to survive. Now we have we have normalized this by calling it mother nature, but it's violent. And it's a, it's an it's a signature of the one who created it. This is a signature of the demon that popped out of a burning bush and gave Moses the law, starting with the book of Exodus in the Yahwist version of the historical events. We have something that's totally antithetical to the to the older Elohist version of events that is recorded in Genesis. In Genesis, we have an Abrahamic covenant that is open to all by virtue of the migrations and the spreading over the world of the families of Israel. In the Exodus, we have a, a cessation of this. All of a sudden, the older covenant is, is completely usurped by a new covenant, not by a God from heaven, but out of an entity from a burning bush that gives not freedom and discretion, but gives dictates and laws that must be obeyed, or you will be burned with fire. You will be impaled. Your dead body will be released into the wild so so animals and carrion can eat it, and so, so your family can't bury you properly. You will invade enemy cities, and you will put the wives and the children as slaves, and you will kill the husband with sword and spear the covenant of death is all through the law it is the covenant of Yahweh this covenant was followed by the Yahweh's the only worshipers of Yahweh are the Jewish people the older covenant of 
Abraham in Genesis does not apply to the Yahweh's covenant. These are two different covenants, two different time periods involving two different people, involving two different systems of prophecies. And you see them unfold very clearly who is who all throughout the thread of the Old Testament. The Old Testament in the entire Bible itself is literally a book of good and evil. And this is given to us in the very first chapter of Genesis, where it basically says before mankind ever sinned, the tree of knowledge of good and evil was in the garden of God. And it was an option to men, but evil pre-existed Eve ever eating an apple or any of that. And this whole narrative that is unfolded is a narrative of paradigms between cultures and peoples in this world who have fought, who have basically adopted different religious views and adopted different ideas on what worship, what worship is and true spirituality is. One group decided invent religious systems and philosophical systems and government systems and be an infrastructure builder and colonize the world and bring and bring all these innovations to all these all the different peoples of the world and share their news and become assimilationists this group are those who follow the abrahamic covenant this group is well alive today the other group decided to rely on nepotism, to rely on only their own culture, to forward their own people. They, they chose to be basically the rulers of the rest of the world by following a covenant that enforced all kinds of violence against other peoples. This is the covenant of Yahweh. If you were to read the, the different covenants side by side, you will definitely see what I'm talking about between those who follow the Abrahamic covenant, which is the original covenant of Brahma and Saraswati, later, that, later in the Bible recorded as Abram and Sarah. Hmm. This, older, this older covenant is, is all throughout history as well. But the people who are at war with the people of that covenant are the Yahwists. And these are the people who have basically served the God of this world, this, this hidden God that hides behind this predator versus prey ecosphere. And in reward for oppressing the rest of the people of the world, they've been given everything. They've been given wealth. They've been given control of banking systems, mm-hmm. control of cin- cinematic institutions, control of, 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 all, of all the agencies and all the media and all the publishing houses. This is what they do. This is a very ancient story, but the control mechanisms are oh. recorded not only in the Bible because they wrote the Bible. So, so there is um, definitely a force that wants to keep souls, spiritual beings here and trapped, right? I mean, that's, is that a fair statement? And so would this be what people call Satan or the devil, this lower world force that's trying to screw us up, keep us here and control us? Okay, um, I'm going to have to say yes and no. Okay. One, uh, I call it artificial intelligence X. X simply means an unknown factor. It's an agitating force. So yes, it's there. Um, From a dungeon programming perspective of accepting only a religious paradigm, yes, you can call it Satan. You can call it uh, the the fallen Lucifer. You can call it the devil. But that's just from the Judeo-Christian perspective. Yes. Uh, You go further back into the Judaic, you would call it Leviathan, Behemoth. You would call 
even further back in the Babylonian and Sumerian, you would call him Puzazu. Uh, there are many different names uh, in the med- medieval times. It would have been Baphomet. So it, it, it's all subject to the culture and yes. how they viewed this 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 negative entity. But yes, uh, I call it AIX, artificial intelligence X, because it is an it, it is an AI system that is running this construct. And this construct doesn't just mean the actual world that you experience with the five senses around you right now. Mm-hmm. The construct also entails both the past and the future, which are pure programming. They're not real historical events. Wow. So this force, whatever you want to call it, would would control everything what I would term in the lower worlds, which be be, be more the physical, astral, mental causal plane, subconscious, below the spiritual planes. Does that resonate with you at all? Yeah, I'm, 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 very, I'm a very spiritual individual. You get that? You and understand what I just said? I, I reckon, yes, I'm, I'm a, I can see that these constructs would be arranged in planes. I believe that everything is spirit, and everything <laughs> that we perceive to be physical is just different modes of spirit, different rates of vibration. Yes. It's all, we are we are immortal beings and there is an oversoul that does care but we're here for a reason just like the old testament says we are sojourners here we are pilgrims mm-hmm. we are here to pass through these experiences and learn from them and to accrue all the accrue all this knowledge and all all these experiences that as immortals on the outside of the construct we would never be able to do because we cannot die only in these constructs are we are we to fear death which is only the cessation of the avatar. This body, this avatar, right. isn't you. Yeah. You are you are the spirit within. Boy, well said. So so I would so we can say pretty comfortably then that God, whatever God oversoul or God created this lower realm, so you and I and our listeners could be creative and overcome obstacles and get stronger and learn and maybe don't have to come back here, or how do you view it? Well, I'm not a I'm not a proponent of the standard soul trap theory that a lot of people promote. I'm mm-hmm. just not with it. Uh, I believe we signed up for this. Yes. I believe that we're we're in no real danger. I don't believe the oversoul would ever create a situation that would ever create a situation that we would be in some type of danger. I believe this is all for the betterment of those who are experiencing this. And I believe that the construct basically isolates all this from cross-contamination with the real reality beyond this construct. We are here to grow and mature and to, to develop our imagination, our intuition, and our empathy, because these are the three core spiritual spiritual. Uh, characteristics that we need to advance in order to receive our uh, better avatars outside the construct to grow to be able to go to other constructs to continue that growth because the oversoul is eternal and that necessarily implies that the creation was not a singularity the creation is continuing and as long as the creation is ongoing and more and more universes and worlds and constructs are being made there will always be a need for more and more spirit spirits to develop to the point where they can become stewards and creators mm-hmm. themselves yeah well sounds right to me jason uh jason breshar uh, breshar is with us his website is archaics A-R-C-H-A-I-X.com. And I tell you, loaded. You have how many videos? Like 500 videos on on YouTube? Yeah, I got 500 
in about 490 or 480. And then I got another 30 or 35 on uh, arcades.tv. That's great. So other than the Bible, which is, uh, oh, I mean, you could stay, sit here for an hour and talk about this, but what are some other things, um, some of the, the history that we could kind of uh, chat about uh, this afternoon, Jason, that you think our listeners would be interested in knowing, maybe some things that we think, um, like you say on your website, our world is not what you think it is, right? Our world is not what you think it is. Yeah. And what does this mean, holospheric reality? What does that mean, holospheric? Okay, that would be holospheric. Holospheric, uh, sorry. This is, the, this is the recognition that physical reality actually acts like a mathematical construct in the order of a hologram. Mm -hmm. and, uh, there, are many, there, are many, there are many theoretical physicists that have all identified different characteristics of the physics constant that act more like programming uh, than, than actual uh, like Newtonian laws. And that the order and regularity of events and phenomena within the construct seems to be uh, hypernatural. It's not it's not as it should be. I'll give you an example. The regularity, the regularity of stellar bodies is too perfect. If we are to take into account and accept certain ideas in the world of astronomy to be true, then we would see phenomena that would commiserate with these truths. And this is not what we find. We find that, that stellar activity is with such precision and regularity we find that planets are exactly where they can be predicted 25 years later this shouldn't be because of the newtonian laws of gravity and and kinetics and inertia are are true i'm not saying they are but if they are true then there's going to be tidal stress and convection currents that always affect the timing and re of the reappearance of celestial bodies in our sky but this is not what we find we find things are like a divine clock that reappear with such absolute perfection that they seem to be governed by things that are other than physics constants. What would they be governed so by? There's an order. If they're not physics. Yeah. What would they be? So you're, you're talking about if you look and you see the stars, they'll go completely around, make one trip. They're in the exact same spot one year later. How do you explain that? And what, what would be running that show would that be uh, a, an aspect of god or spiritual beings that are controlling this well i mean this uh if we're going to believe the religious model mm -hmm. then we have a being a we have a being that was not the creator but is considered a god who built their own world Mm -hmm. And in their own world, mm -hmm. they it's it's it, it is the archetype of deception because those that are in that world actually believe they are in a physical reality. Yeah. Yeah. But all the evidence of its falsity is found everywhere. All mm -hmm. you have to do is study the environment, and you can see these things are false. One of them is the moon. There is no way an object that size, it, it's, it, it's essentially a double planet system. There is no way an object that size, according to the published laws of physics, could ever just hang in the sky without crashing into us. There's no way it could happen. Yeah. There's, no way it could, there's no way it could even suspend itself in an orbit like that and not spin so we can never see the the dark side of the moon we only see the same face 
uh, of the moon at all times. There's no way that if we're really traveling 63,000 miles per hour around a star that is 93 million miles away, there's just no way that, that, that we would not be able to register this movement on atomic clocks. And we can't. All our scientific data shows that we're still, we're not moving at all. All the motion is in the skies. Yeah. This is all. This is also what is said in Genesis that that the, that the movement of the stars, the sun and the moon, were given for us to regulate times and seasons. Nothing is ever said that the that the Earth itself moves. Now we are given a paradigm by modern science that we're on this rock hurling through space. But in the 1890s to 1920s, scientists were photographing from multiple different areas of our world the heavens. They were photographing the stars and they were publishing their reports, and they found no parallax, and this was suppressed. What do you mean parallax? I, they I, found. I, what does that mean? Sorry, they found no parallax. Lost. Okay, I mean, let me explain. Okay, Sci scientists, scientists, there was a, the 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 idea that our world is actually fixed and we're not moving is very old. And up until the 1880s and 1890s, there were scientists still publishing reports showing that there's no way we're moving. Mm -hmm. It's not. They show gyroscopes. And there, there, there are all kinds of different mathematical formulas and tele, telescopic evidence so of studying the stars. So they came up with a series of, of, of basically experiments in the 1890s, and they photographed from three different areas of our world. They photographed one area of the heavens, mm -hmm. the stars. Mm -hmm. And then they waited six months. The reason they waited six months is because according to the new scientific model, our world should have been 187 million miles away from where it was six months earlier. And that's because it's 93 million miles away from a star, which is itself half a million miles across. Then it's another 93 million miles away on the other side of that star six months later. So there's no way you can take pictures of the stars and 187 million miles away take the exact same pictures and see that the stars have not moved at all. It's impossible. There would be parallax. Parallax shows depth. It shows that some luminaries are closer than others. And this is why the, the luminaries that are closer would move again the backdrop of the luminaries that were much farther away but this is not what they found and this is a dead giveaway that the sky is fixed and that we are not moving at all so so oh, it, this is just one series of right, right if earth is not moving stationary but don't we see the stars jason move around above us you know and then come back to the same spot so are they moving the sky sim moves. The, the sky sim has never stopped moving. It continues to move. And the arc, the arc of the stars, the stars don't just cross the sky. They arc. And this arc absolutely mathematically can be traced to show that there's a center pole. This center pole is, is how the, all the ancient calendar systems work. They were day count systems. Even in Genesis, the very first calendar was the evening and the morning was the first day. The, the, old, the old Sumerian, Babylonian, Assyrian, and the Mayan and the Olmec calendars were all predicated off day count systems. They had nothing to do with the counting of years because years requires you 
to measure seasons. And during that time, according to Genesis, there were no seasons and rain did not exist. Every morning and every evening, a mist watered the ground hmm. and left pools, pools of water. It was only after the cataclysm, when the day the sky fell, that the rainbow appeared. The rainbow is the first symbol of a new age. And this is because during the pre-flood world, there was a vapor canopy that hid the sun. But after the cataclysm, the sun appeared in the sky. And this is why the ancient Egyptians, after, after a thousand years of history, and their pantheon, the Aeneid, is completely established, all of a sudden had to add a new god to the pantheon. The new god was Horus, the son of the sun, because the sun just appeared. Not only Egypt, but the Sumerian pantheon was well fixed. And then at the very end of Sumerian history, they had to add a new god. That new god's name was Utushamash. Every, every biblical scholar knows that name. That is the name of the sun Whoa. in Babylonian, Utushamash. And it's because the sun just appeared after the great flood. The day the sky fell, the vapor canopy collapsed. Now, what, what, what started in the Americas was a whole new calendar called the sun calendar systems, like the, like the Aztec stone of the fifth sun. This is why the ancient Olmec and in, in Mayan calendars claim that the the, their history began when the sun appeared. They called it the first sun. It's called the water sun. And this began the four great sun ages. They only, they only began after this, the day the sky fell. The water sun is a reference to the flood and the sun appearing. But yeah, this is, all, this is all, all, the, all this chronology and all these original source materials that talk about these legends and, and uh, the scientific data on the vapor canopy. This is the subject matter of my channel. I go into a lot of detail about a lot of stuff. Here's an interesting email from Edward. So is your guess saying that there is this firmament above the earth as all the flat earthers say? Okay. Purely scientific, purely scientific here, what that layer is referred to is the mesosphere. And yes, it's up there right now. The problem is it's just tiny water droplets that are suspended in a couple miles thick layer of the atmosphere. But at one time, it wasn't. It emptied out. That's the day the sky fell. It's the great flood. Uh, it's, it's, the it's the great cataclysm. So... It's the, uh, this is uh, the collapse of the vapor canopy. At one time, that mesosphere was like an ocean above. Hmm. And this is what the ancients describe. The ancients describe at one time, there was a watery ocean in the sky hmm. and oceans on the ground. But all that came to an end when in one single instant, the world froze. Everything on the ground froze mammoths tree sloths oh they the, the carcasses 2.5 million frozen mammoths have already been found in in siberia and russia all across north america uh giant armadillos uh, all these creatures above the megafauna period have been found frozen solid in the permafrost the meat is still fresh enough to feed sled dogs okay. they still they still chop up the the creatures that are found in the permafrost today and when this when this when this freezing happened the entire sky fractured like glass in an instant. 
iceberg-sized chunks of ice fell from the sky, followed by about 40 days worth of rain. And this completely destroyed the pre-flood world, everything, all the civilizations, and it set back, it set mankind back centuries. It is only after this event that the ancient nations that we're familiar with became more known. I see. Like so, the Babylonians. So, so this, this event, uh, what, do, do we know when this event was? And is this what the Bible referred first to as like the Noah and the flood, the 40 days and 40 nights thing? Yes, in the biblical, yeah, it's, it's the Atrahasis flood. It's the Noah, Noahic flood. It's the flood of Manu. There mm-hmm. are many different traditions that all name it. It's the flood of Cox Cox mm-hmm. in ancient Mexico. It's, it's the exact same event, yes. Yeah. And when was it? Do we know, Jason? This is, this is the month of May in the year 2239 B.C. It was 4,400 and something years ago. And it was only, it was only the, the third, it was only the third flood that had destroyed the ancient world. So, again, this firmament that the flat earthers talk about, it's, what, what's up there now and why? I've seen actually photos of rockets that go up there and then they stop. I mean, what's stopping them? Okay. If you ever noticed, oh, you ever noticed comet tails? How they look? Yeah, I've seen a few. It looks like an ob- it looks like an object that's glowing that's passing through water. Mm-hmm. You understand? Yeah. The exact same the exact same effect. If you were underwater with a camera looking up at a speedboat pass over you, and you saw how that speedboat broke that, that water up and had the water bubbles. It looks identical to comet tails, the patterning. It also looks identical to what NASA's rockets look like when they hit that mesosphere. When they hit that mesosphere, we have actually seen the ripples on photography yes. where these rockets are hitting something and they seem to slow down and then disappear. It's like they're hitting a barrier of water and going right through it. Do you call it, what's the name of that missile sphere? Is the name you're giving it, Jason? A mesosphere. It's M E S O sphere. Missile sphere. Wow. And an, another email wants to know, this fellow's really interesting. Have him back. Um, what's the moon made out of? He mentioned the moon, but I didn't understand what he believes. Do we really know what it is, or is it all theory or speculation, Jason, of what the moon is? Everything, everything we know about that moon is pure speculation. Is it? And this was, this was published in a series of reports by Russian scientists in the 1950s who knew 100% that the Apollo space program of NASA was a total psyop. Yeah. They knew from the beginning. They knew that only about 2% of the NASA employees actually knew the truth. Everybody's jobs in NASA in 1957 all the way to 1969 was so compartmentalized that nobody else knew what, what anybody else was doing. And the final result results of the, re, of the research and, and the engineering for each tier was delivered to the tier above. And then the very top tier, the 2%, were the only ones that knew that they were sending rockets into the sky, but there was no men on them and there was no there was no missions to the moon this is why we don't have all, we don't have all the photographs that we should have had we don't have any photographs of of, of, of you, you already know the controversy is, is is thick there's a whole bunch of photos that we should have there are many yeah. things that are on the that should have been on the apollo manifest that aren't there and uh they and 
Uh, it's the whole reason why the astronauts looked so MK ultra when they were given their first interviews, why they look very uncomfortable and unhappy. Although these men should what would, 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 under normal circumstances would have come back to earth and been like heroes. They'd been to the moon. They should have been happy and ecstatic to talk about these things. But instead these men looked like they were pissed because uh, I've seen the they were basically, yeah. they were basically ordered to tell the American public a lie. Yeah. So, and, and, Oftentimes, when we talk about the cosmology truth, uh, people ask the question, it's a good question, why would these people need to lie about all of this stuff, NASA and space? I mean, what's their motive? Why lie about it? Well, one, one, you don't want the you don't want the population to realize that they're inside of a construct and they don't live on an actual world okay. that can be escaped. You know, but but even more so, even more so, you got to follow the money. The deep state needs financing to do all the things that they do in the world today for all the control systems. What better way than NASA, which is actually an intelligence agency, and it gets $34 billion a year from the American people. But it only takes about 2 to 3% of that $34 billion billion to continue to perpetuate the myth that we're sending things into space mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do that they, means they have they oh, have 97 percent of that 34 billion to do their black ops projects to do their secret military programs to build their underground bases to repair for the next reset cataclysm to do all these things that they need to do but they don't need the public to know that, that that's why they're spending the money mm-hmm. yes nasa NASA is a tax. So, um, okay, let me take a break here. Can you hold on a second? I'll be right there. Right there with you. Well, pretty trippy, huh? (laughs) Okay, kids, we have uh, some fun things going on. If you'd like to join and ask Jason a question, I'm sure he said some things maybe have uh, pushed a few buttons for you. You can call. 888-663-6386. We're live here. It is July 3rd, 2023. And we have for the next two, or the next week, the whole week of this week, the week of July 3rd, we have two of our of our really premier uh, sponsors uh, have some big sales. And I'll, I'll give them to you. The first one is the Blue Shield. This is an EMF protection device that you put in your home and it goes out three, 400 feet depending on which uh, unit you get and it works on the cells in the body. It just helps your body to deal with electromagnetic fields in a more um, efficient, effective way. It doesn't block anything. A lot of people think it blocks it. So, no, we don't know of anything to do that unless you want to walk around a Faraday cage. But, um, but this, so this... Uh, Blue Shield is good technology. It works. It's uh, developed in Australia many years ago, and um, they have some real studies to prove that it works, and you can get this at at um, 18% off this week, the week of July 3rd. Use promo code 1RADIO. And the same people that uh, run the Blue Shield organization here is Shen Blossom, that's Brandon Amalani. And he's doing his big sale of the year at the same time 
uh, over the 4th of July week. That'll be this week of July 3rd. Today's a Monday. We're live here. And then you can get 20% off on all of Shen Blossom's products, and they're fine. I mean, just go on there, give yourself a minute, click on through One Radio Network, click on Shen Blossom, and just click through some of the, the products that they have, and then read the ingredients. You do that three or four times, and you'll be sold, and you want to get some. Seriously, you want some. I want it. Okay, that you will. You'll want one. Want some. So the promo code for this puppy is One Radio again, and it's 20%. 20% off on all the uh, the uh, Shen Blossom products. So this is a really good opportunity to kind of get some of these things if you, you know, if you haven't um, uh, experienced them before. That's this week for both Shen Blossom and Blue Shield, the week of July 3rd. Here's a little thing on our sauna, and you should get one of these guys. Here's physicist, biologist, chemist, Dr. Gerald Pollack on Far Infrared Saunas. Infrared uh, energy is what builds this fourth phase of water. And the idea of a sauna, you know, you go in and you sweat and you, you receive this infrared energy and you feel great after you, uh, after you come out. I felt uh, the same and so have so many people. And most of us think, well, you know, it's just uh, some sort of psychological issue and it, 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 it might be. However... Experimentally, we know that infrared energy builds the fourth phase. Your cells should be or should be filled with this fourth phase, but, uh, but you know, we're, we tend to be somewhat dehydrated uh, and missing some of this, this fourth phase. And so what happens is if you subject yourself to infrared, the infrared is absorbed by your body, absorbed by your cells, and it converts ordinary water to fourth phase water and then you feel better how cool is that structuring the water in your body i think it's pretty cool and that was the first time we had gerald pollack on he was talking uh, uh, very uh um, favorably about the sauna when we had him on the show last week and i haven't even put that one on tape because you know we just dance as fast as we can here at one radio network and do what we can but anyway if you'd like to get one we're shipping one believe it or not to turkey Tomorrow, turkey. Yeah, we have listeners all over the world and find us somehow. So, no matter where you live, just email me uh, your city, state, country, zip code, whatever, and I'll, and I'll send you back the uh, um, the delivered price. And when you get this, the best, you're going to get the best price here anywhere. Guarantee. Uh, we do a, the lowest price we possibly can. We're not even allowed by the company to put it in a print because that kind of messes them up, you know, the whole their suggested retail price. So they allow us to do it um, vocally here, orally, or if you will, on One Radio Network. So just email me if you want to get us on it, regardless of where you live, I'll hook you up. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com Okay. Okay. Know the source on one radio network. Well, we're having fun talking to a nice fellow. His name is Jason Bashures. It's Archaics, A R C H. Are you spelling that? A R A R C H. I can't even read my handwriting. A I K X, right? Dot com. Jason. 
six, 17 books. 17 books. Wow. You know, it's amazing that you can find so much good stuff, I mean, authentic stuff online. Isn't that, don't you find that curious? That it's still, if there's many people that don't, 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 don't want uh, Yeah, well, you're not, that's not a, that's not a statement I can appreciate. And let me explain why. Okay. It, it, it is a tenet of my own research and channel. I'm always telling my, 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 my viewers, look, uh, 100% of my data comes from old scientific reports, old archaeological reports, and very old books. I do not cite the internet as a source. Oh, I don't care about. I don't. I do. I do not care about the internet. The the internet is not only being scrubbed, but the internet was uploaded with a bunch of false historical information from the beginning. And uh, uh, yeah, the internet is not anything that I use as a resource tool. There is nothing in any of my thousands of biblio bibliographic citations that you will ever find where wow. I cite the internet as a source. Excellent. I'm just not going to. Good for the you. The internet is a it's a 100% control mechanism. Good for you. So you can actually yeah, find texts, real old books with all this stuff in there. You found them. Every, yeah, all these books you see, this 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 is not even a this is not this is not even close. You can't see my whole library. My whole library Whoa. is books from the 1700s and 1800s up to 1945 wow. because I do not I do not esteem or hold the value uh, historical books that are published after 1945 after the Nuremberg trials the publishing world was completely usurped and false versions of historical events were released to the public and they're continually released and this is why many libraries do purges to get rid of the older books so so they can get the newer published materials wow. Yes, the censorship of history is real. Oh, fascinating. So I, I think we were talking about this idea why people, why would certain forces, some people say the Jesu Jesuits, I don't know, you can tell me, uh, started this heliocentric model sometime. How long ago was it? And what was their motive? The idea that they, they didn't want us to know that we could leave this place or... I don't know. I, I really don't know. I can't get into to to the motive. Yeah. I just don't know. Uh, in, in the archaics paradigm, we're one hundred percent living in a construct, and you can't escape the construct. You can't it's not, you're not you're not designed to uh, the desire to even want to leave and escape through space and and build capital ships and go to other star systems. All that it, it is so far removed from the immortal within. It's a materialist perspective. Uh -huh. These constructs are designed for immortal for immortals to be able to experience things that on the outside of the construct they can't. Mm -hmm. There is nothing to fear. Mm -hmm. There is no pain. Mm -hmm. There is no death. So these these constructs right here are specifically designed. This is a simulacrum. It is specifically designed to be a copy of something that is real somewhere else. But that somewhere else is a place that we cannot die. We are immortal beings. Yes. The idea that we can die only attaches to the avatar. The flesh suit that you're wearing right now doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the construct. And that's why every bit of this seems so real. By virtue of the central nervous system's ability to process data through sight, hearing, taste, touch, feel, all that. Through these five senses, these five senses belong to the avatar. Yes, sir. The immortal within is your spirit is jacked into this into the system 
because the central nervous system is the bridge between the psyche and the simulation. Yes. And this is this is all designed so immortals can grow and learn and move on. And any attachments to the idea of escaping the construct is purely materialist. It's per, it's it's for those who haven't even advanced spiritually enough to know what's really going on. Yes, sir. Um, do you have any way to give you, your internet a little more juice? You've been cutting out a little bit. Can you close any windows or anything you got there? Or does yeah, that matter? I, I listen, yeah, it's real bad. It's really bad service here right now. Yeah, well, we've, we'll, had some, we, we've had some really bad service for days. Have you? Have you? Well, we'll just put up with it. Thanks for coming on the show. So, um, <clears throat> some of the cosmology truthers talk about, you know, the ice wall and that there's a lot of land way, way out there. Do you have any theories on that or know any information about that? Could that be true, that this earth plane could be huge, much more than what we know? Yeah, um, I am familiar with the idea mm -hmm. that there are other continents. Do I have that data? No. Okay. Is there anything in the historical record that even alludes to that? No. I have not been able to find anything in ancient sources or even modern historical sources that infer that that is true. I'm, I understand the theory, and I also understand that there are some people promoting the idea that the moon is a reflection of the Earth, and the proof to them is the fact that all those other splotches on the moon must be those other those other continents oh, that are yeah. that are that are out there the problem i have with this type of deductive reasoning is that we can't take two unknowns and measure them against each other and claim that we have learned anything at all so mm -hmm. until one set of knowns is established we can't even infer the existence of the other right so do we know we don't know i think we covered it what the moon is whether it's just a a living being or it's just a light or we don't know for sure do we what it is no we don't well we do we what we do know is what we observe and what we observe is that people have taken pictures of the dark part of the moon and actually photographed stars through them yeah. so we have a problem here so we also have the lunar wave theory which i don't believe is a lunar wave at all i believe the entire sky uh, has this wave uh this wave phenomenon on, but it's not observable in the dark part of the sky. It's observable because the moon gives off a soft illumination. And we think it's sunlight reflected, but it's not. It's giving off its own light. It's a colder light. It's a light of a different type of energy. Uh, it, it is measurable light. And what's interesting is that people like Crow 7777, yes. he's, he's documented the lunar wave the lunar wave phenomenon, but I'm convinced that he only documented it as the lunar wave phenomenon because the the moon was the only object he could actually see the phenomenon against. You can't see that wave across the blackness of, of the sky. So I believe the entire sky sim is upgrading like that, and that wave goes through the entire sky sim about seven times a second. Mm. It crosses the entire sky. He was just able to observe it against the backdrop of the moon. And Jason, my experience, for what it's worth, is that there's nothing solid here, including my body. I, I, my body just isn't solid. I think it's just a thought form, just a thought. Do you have any, uh, you know, any reaction to that? Absolutely agree with you. Do you? I, there's nothing. I, I, I can't contradict that statement. It's the central nervous system that makes you believe that everything is physical. It is the bridge between the psyche and the simulation. There is nothing real here. There's nothing tangible. And this is mm. basically the, this is the, 
result of a lot of research in the quantum field as well. Quantum, yes. quantum, uh, um, theoretical, you know, uh, physics professors are all on board with the fact that every bit of this is a perceivable universe, not an actual one. Perceivable. So when we say, I, I, I was thinking about it a few years ago when I was really getting into this, Jason, this idea. Well, this, this movable, immovable earth plane, right? But where is it? So I kept asking myself, where, where is it? You know, I mean, it's not floating in space. Where is it? To, to even answer that, answer that question, you have to have something else that it's attached to, right? And then I began thinking of late, it's just a state of consciousness. It's just, I don't know, it's just... I agree. It, right? it, it, do you think that's right? It's just a state of consciousness. Well, I mean, we can't, it's very hard to subjectively analyze something that we are suspended within. So there's mm. no true objectivity here. Mm. It's like when a man, when a man lives inside of a bubble, he thinks his vision is clear, but it's not clear. He has to look through the film of the bubble in order to perceive the outside world. Mm -hmm. He thinks it's clear, but those on the outside of the bubble see the world for what it is. It's the same situation. You and I will never be able to accurately figure out what's going on. And we never were, we never were meant to. As a matter of fact, I believe that these constructs don't last beyond the mass awakenings. Once there's been a mass awakening to where a lot of souls realize mm -hmm. what's going on and that they're in a construct, that's when that construct begins to eject them. You can call this the exodus. You can call it a purge. It always happens during resets. That's why there's never a generation that, that's awakened that's followed by another awakening generation it does not happen like that there is an ebb and flow through history when populations were spiritual and they're vibrating on a high frequency and then they're followed with cataclysms and resets and then they, it's like civilization has to start back over again it's a the construct itself is not going to allow significant people to wake up it will eject them what do you mean eject them like people getting awake uh will get ejected or, or what I, I lost you there on eject them it mean, it mean, it means when the immortal within right. loses that avatar, mm -hmm. they're not given another avatar here. They right. Move on. Oh, I understand. Yeah. Okay. You don't have to, people call it reincarnation. You don't have to come back. Right. Kind of thing. I guess. So, <laughs> whoa, this is really cool stuff. So, I've seen in my, I've had about out of body experiences, Jason. You know, I really have some, some big ones. And I've seen how that I, that I create every every disease or every imbalance in my body by what I think and by what I believe. I've seen that clearly. Yeah. Well, I mean, the very fact that psychosomatics is a real thing mm. and we have scientific proof that the placebo effect is a real thing. Of course. Therefore, therefore, what you're saying is absolutely true. It is mind over matter, and it is the mental image of health that actually promotes health in the avatar. <laughs> in the avatar. I like the term, in the avatar. Here's an email from Mike. Can you please ask Jason his opinion on the pandemic and the Great Reset? Are the people in power trying to make events in the Bible happen, or are they trying to kill people so they can harvest energy from us? Ooh. Hey, that, these are that's a good question, but I'm not qualified to answer it for the simple fact is 
is uh, 100% of the information that would be gleaned from any analysis of the COVID, the pandemic, and all mm-hmm. that would be taken from modern sources, modern books, and all that stuff. And I just don't. Archaics is all about the the historical record from books that actually and sources that actually had accurate information. And I don't believe that exists after 1946. I believe all all this information after that has been tampered with. It has been redacted, edited. It is it has been published hmm. to establish the control systems. And uh, I just don't know. I lived through it like you did. And, and I don't know. I got really, really sick and I got hospitalized during that period as well. So I don't know. Well, I, I just don't know anything about it. Yeah, because well, you know, as you know, there's a whole there's a whole team of people that are arguing, and they have the evidence to prove that there is no virus, that it's just all been made up a psychological operation. And then they have people like yourself who experienced something. You know, you didn't imagine you were really sick. So you know, there's a lot of explanations. I was in. I was in. Uh, listen. Listen, I was in ICU. My lung, I had pulmon, full pulmonary collapse. Whoa. I had, I almost died. I was, I was in, I was in, I was in uh, the emergency wing uh, for 13 days. Every single person in that wing was there for the same thing. The hospital said we all had COVID. Now I don't know if I did or not. Yes, sir. I, I do know this. My my symptoms were was 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 something totally different than a lot of other people's symptoms. My I don't know if I'm even allowed to speak this here. Are we on YouTube? No, no, no. We don't do YouTube. Say whatever you want. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you now. I, I put a video up on YouTube, and YouTube took it down. Yeah. When I expl- when I explained my hospital visit, and I filmed the inside of the hospital and me on a respirator and all that, and 100%, my symptoms were radiation poisoning, and I believe it came from my cell phone, and uh, it almost killed me. Radiation poisoning. On- let me let me stop you for a second. So they put you on a ventilator, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, we know that that was killing people, Jason. We know that. Yes. Right. And then remdesivir. Right. Yeah. They, well, get- they put me on. They put me on several different things, but uh, I ended up. I ended up being all right, but I lost about thirty-five pounds. I'm wow. naturally two hundred. I'm naturally two hundred twenty-two wow. pounds. You know, I lost about thirty-five pounds. I became a skeleton in just in just thirteen days. I had. Uh, extreme lethargy. Uh, it took a nurse to walk me eight feet to a toilet. Wow. I had full pulmonary collapse. I spent over 50 days in the oxygen tank after this. And uh, I'm telling you now, I got sick as hell. And the hospital paperwork says COVID-19, pulmonary collapse, uh, bronchitis. It even added the bron- sure, sure. bronchial infection from my lungs, not, my lungs not working. And then, uh, but I got a lot of military buddies. I got a lot of people that I've explained and everything and they told me straight up man okay so you were you cut out there so I, I interrupted you what did you mean about radiation and the cell phone talk about that what did you discover during all of this, this uh, my symptoms my symptoms were uh these military guys that i know man i got a, mm-hmm. i got a bunch of buddies in the military and they told me said, look man in the military man these when these guys uh are are dealing with different stuff like uh depleted uranium from right. uranium right tank rounds and all that he says man they'll get sick and and and, and they'll get the sicknesses just like you had in a three-day period you had no energy to where you couldn't even sit up in bed and walk eight feet to a toilet it's, it's terrible and, and then it begins to affect your breathing and then sometimes people have pulmonary collapse this is exactly what happened to me, wow. and I was told by the I was told by the I, I put this on YouTube and YouTube took the video down. I bet they but did. This uh, this is what they this is what they said, and uh, it was it was pretty bad. But it says it uh, exposure to high levels of radiation. Okay, 
Interesting. So what do you make of this? That people have called this time a great awakening. Do you, do you believe this is real, just internet fodder? Are there, are there more souls, in your opinion, waking I up? Hmm? Hold, I don't know. Hold on just a sec. Go ahead. Guy's great. I love him. Jason Brashears, archaics.com. And he has tremendous amount of videos on YouTube. I can't believe they still keep him up, but. And then on his website as well, archaix.com. Fascinating stuff, eh? We are going to have Fred Jaszewski. He'll be here on Wednesday, the first Wednesday of the month, and then also um, we are going to invite uh, Robert on, um, Sean's friend in, in um, Washington, and he is going to tell us how we can um, actually get a trademark for our face and our fingerprints and our, and our footprints and our voice, so in case some AI thing wants to steal my voice, I'm going to have a... Um, Trademark for it at the at the office. Okay, you good, Jason? Yeah, how's my signal? My signal feel a little bit stronger. Well, we'll see. Did you try to do something there to it? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So uh, where were we? Um, um, so what about all of this? Uh, you know, you've done so much work with the with the um, with the, the pyramids and all of that. Why do you think? All, so much of what you do in this ancient, ancient history to know the real, the real story. Why do you think that's important to us humans in this construct today? Okay, well, let's see. On my own channel, I'm often explaining that it only takes us 200 years to go from horse and buggy to hadron collider yeah and, and the very the very the great pyramid is an awesome study because what anyone who has done a deep dive on the architecture of giza will know that this 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 monument this structure was built using machines mm-hmm. and that the standard the standard egyptological version of hundreds of thousands of Egyptians wearing little little white robes and and, and uh, rope belts and sandals moving these 70 ton blocks is erroneous and it doesn't it doesn't account for the fact that the tolerances on the Great Pyramid are far smoother than what we even have today on the siding of marble marble oh. siding on bank bank buildings aren't even as smooth as some of the tolerances we find in the passages and shafts of the Great Pyramid. We don't have any structures in the world today made in modern times that are two hundred in three courses of solid blocks raised to 454 feet in the air. There's nothing in the world built like this, even by modern standards. The steel-framed super constructions that we make today called skyscrapers don't even compare in mass to the Great Pyramid. People think they do, but these are hollow constructions. These hollow constructions are aren't even near as heavy as the Great Pyramid. 203 levels of blocks, 2.5 
million of these blocks weighing between five tons, 10,000 pounds, and 70 tons. And the 70-ton blocks are two-thirds the way up the structure. They're suspended high in the air. How they got them up there, we don't know. But the tolerances alone show machines were used because humans can't get that. It's far beyond what humans can notice. To see the tolerances in the Great Pyramid, this, this when I say tolerance, I'm talking about the, the sheer flatness over yes. hundreds of feet of, yeah. of shafts and tunnels. It takes a laser pointer for anybody to even notice the, the any deviances in these shafts. Really? And wow. these shafts are thousands of years old. Wow. Not only that, but 2.5 million blocks were stuck together with an adhesive that is so strong but it's only one fiftieth of an inch thick and yet it's layered with such precision that the next layer of blocks going up 203 layers of blocks Mm. the next layer of blocks is plain so perfectly smooth then the third layer the fourth layer the fifth layer and through all these layers the shafts are at 26 degrees do you know how difficult it is to to pre-make blocks with the with shafts already in the measurements the blocks the pyramid wasn't built solid and then somebody tunneled through all that we would see the stress fractures that's not how it happened mm. whoever built the pyramid built it with these amazing geometrical angles going in all different directions as they lay as they built each layer these were all already set and when it was done you can take a laser pointer all the way up and half of the laser will remain true through the hundreds of feet of shaft Whoa. People don't realize how amazing Whoa. the structure is. Whoa. It's not it's not just that, but all the physics constants are also recorded in the Great Pyramid. And my contribution to, to the field of pyramidology is the fact that I found that the scientific measurements done in, by Sir Flinders Petrie to the thousandth of an inch and the only measurements that are accepted by the scientific community and by Egyptologists actually show that the entire structure was designed to basically scream the message of a 138-year patterning throughout the entire structure. The structure is a calendar. The Great Pyramid's internal arrangements show us the inner workings of timekeeping systems and calendars that have been operative since the ancient world. And they're structured structured in a sequencing of 138-year intervals. And when you take the measurements of the Great Pyramid and put them in a linear timeline, you get the Phoenix phenomenon, which every 138 years occurs somewhere in our, our world. It is a reset protocol. It is so widely documented that I have 80 to 82 videos on it, three published books, over 200 articles that I have written all on this 138-year the, the year patterning, and I have open challenges to anybody in the public that wants to debate this issue. So so this is a 138-year, and then after 138, then something resets and changes and, and does a big... And when's the next one? I think it's, 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 it's is it 2040? 2040? Yeah, May 2040 is the next one. The last one was 1902. I have about nine videos on 1902 and everything that happened and how all how it's been suppressed. It was the last reset. Uh, 1902. 1902. Wasn't that the World's Fair, St. Louis World's Fair? 
Well, well, the World's Fairs in 1902 were canceled. Yeah, <laughs> the, the World's Fairs before and after went on, but I, I got a video showing that that almost everything in 1902 was canceled and was canceled for good reason. And then after the danger passed, the elite came out and released all their new institutes, organizations, mm. corporations, companies, and all that. After 1902, all the Fortune 500 companies that exist today, they're actually stemmed from companies that existed in the 40s, 50s, and 30s. And those companies all, all came into existence in 1902. Wow. I have a whole video that lists all these companies. So, even Harley Davidson, 1903. So, so Jason, yeah, what happened in 1902? What happened? Do we know what happened in 1902? Okay, not, well, not, listen, in the, 1902 was a yeah. Phoenix phenomenon year. Phoenix. And, yeah, it's a Phoenix phenomenon year. Before that, it was 1764. Before that, it was 1626. It goes back 58 okay. centuries. And this is the subject matter a lot of, of a lot of my channel's wow. research and my, public, and my published books. 1902, hundreds of billions of tons of red, red dust, red sand, red earth, red mud, red rains basically saturated our world every continent in the world ship captains in the atlantic had to call all men on deck just to sweep off the dust you know before their ships capsized uh, in australia alone 50 tons of this red dust fell from the sky at a, a per square mile volcanoes three different volcanoes erupted or erupted killing uh you know martinique the thirty-five thousand people were incinerated in a two-minute period but uh this ambient radiation even allowed people who survived that to grow two inches and this is something we find in the ancient world before the flood there was during the vapor canopy world animals and people grew to astonishing sizes in retrospect because we're a lot smaller today we look back on the past and we call them giants but they weren't giants by our standards existing at the day during that period that's how normal it was normal for us to be that size it was after the collapse of the vapor canopy after the the fall of that atmospheric pressure when the day the sky fell we're no we were no longer breathing that pure oxygen and we were no longer exposed to that volcanic ambient radiation and that protect 100 protection from uv uv radiation from the vapor canopy the world collapsed the world fell and it became a place that was much harder to survive we no longer we no longer had free food growing all around us now we had to work for our food we had to become agrarians agriculturalists we had to become farmers we had to become we had to work for all the things that were freely given to us under the vapor canopy world so we became so let me ask um, because we, we, couldn't, we why, couldn't breathe why haven't we heard from more people you know, 19, whatever, 19, 50 years later, said, I remember 50 years ago and this happened. We've never heard any of this stuff. Why, how's that possible? The people who lived through well, this. Well, I mean, that's, that's, another, that's another reason why my channel is very, is so popular. <laughs> and so I cite all, I cite all these books. I cite all the scientific reports, all the information's out there. Nobody's bringing it to the table. It's all, it's, it's fascinating. It's an absolutely fascinating study. But in the 1920s, 1940s, yeah. 1950s, and 1970s, scientists released books on the vapor canopy world. They understood all this history. They, they, they? widely documented. They, they widely they wrote about it. I have a hmm. I have a video. Yeah, I have a video that shows all four of those books. I flip through the books and I show everybody in the video. Look, man, the vapor canopy was understood by scientists. All this has been suppressed after World War II. All this material has has been taken off the table. 
Yeah, that's why you don't hear about it on the internet. Listen, the internet is toxic. Mm-hmm. I'm always dealing with people who think they're educated on history, and then they come they come across this wall of data, and they don't know what to do with it, so they just avoid me. They don't want to talk. They don't want to do podcasts. They don't they don't want to do debates. They don't want to do anything because they they basically realize they have a Facebook education. They have an internet education, and it's not, it's not, you're not qualified. If 100% of your data comes from internet sources, you will never be able to accurately assess historical record. It won't, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Whoa. So, so they call it a vapor canopy, Jason. This is what they happened in 1902, a vapor canopy? No, 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 no. Vapor okay. canopy was much, much older than that. Okay. The vapor canopy in recorded human history, we've had three vapor canopies. One of them was 1,656 years long. It's in the book of Genesis. It's called the antediluvian world, the pre-flood yes. world. When that vapor canopy shattered and collapsed, it caused the great flood. The great flood is the incident that northern hemisphere peoples called the day the sky fell. And in the far west of the Americas, it was when the sun was born. It's all the exact same event. Hmm. So... The, uh, the next time the vapor canopy uh, tried to make a comeback, it, it came back for 25 years after the Ogygian flood. In the Ogygian flood, it was a Mediterranean disaster in 1687 BC in the month of May. It is very well recorded. The historical, the historical texts that refer to this one, one cataclysm are so many that I've, I've had to release entire books about it. It's amazing. Wow. Uh, following, following that was the, uh, the Anno Domini. The Anno Domini uh, cataclysm. Um, most people don't realize that the calendar that they they know today, the AD calendar, Anno Domini, did not start when Jesus was here. It started 526 years after the Roman Catholic Church guessed when they thought Jesus would have been born, and it was started to cover up what's called the old Buddhic calendar and the roman catholic church has published this and the buddhic calendar was 552 years this is 138 times four the the catholic records specifically state that the anno domini calendar was created to keep people from discovering the phoenix history i have all this on my channel i I cite the sources i even show the individual pages where all this is admitted by the church Hmm. this is a this calendar was created the anno domini ad calendar was 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 invented to cover up one of the worst disasters in historical record after the flood and this was the justinian plague period okay. it started in 522 go ahead what's the significance sorry i just have so many questions what's the significance jason of 138 years do we know what, what that number comes from well, it's uh, we have an old Jewish legend that says that uh, uh, the angels that warned Lot uh, and his family of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, they were they were punished by God for telling humans that destruction was coming and for allowing mm. Lot, a Lot to escape, and the punishment was that there were banished for 138 years from the heavens uh-huh. now, in the egyptian in the egyptian records it said that the there, there is a massive flooding every 1656 months well 1656 months which is which is the egyptian lunar reckoning is precisely 138 solar years Whoa. so 
we have Aristarchus that specifically says that the world is destroyed every 2,484 years. Well, the 2,484 is perfectly divisible by 138. We have Rashi and Moses Maimonides that both state that our world is destroyed every 1,656 years. This number is precisely 138 times 12. So we have the Phoenix Buddhist, we have the Buddhist calendar and the Phoenix cycle that are both. 552 years. This is precisely 138 times 4. We have the Cursed Earth System, which was published by Stephen Jones, biblical chronologist, in his book, The Secrets of Time, where he shows that the entire history of the world is, is divided between these amazing 400 epics. What he doesn't know is that 414 is precisely 138 times 3. So we have the ancient Inca claim that their world began 2,760 years prior to the 13th Inca's reign. This number, 2,760 years, is precisely divisible by 138. We have ancient Maya, ancient Mayan legends that say the exact same thing about the same number, 2,760, which is divisible by 138. Absolutely. These are just a, these are just a few. I actually list all of them on my channel. But we have all these citations from different time periods, mm -hmm. different languages, and different different uh, cultures that all put these cataclysm numbers out. And in every single incident, these numbers are all divisible by one thirty eight. It is the Phoenix phenomenon. And from nineteen oh two, one thirty eight is twenty forty, right? 2040? 138? Yeah. 2040. Yeah, yeah, the Phoenix phenomenon. Yeah, I, I, I never finished 1902. The Phoenix phenomenon is not just according to whatever the local humidity is. It could be red mud. It could be red dirt. Red, uh, red, sometimes it's red rains. But in 1902, scientists analyzed this material, and they were shocked. In Rome, they reported that it was blood. But in other areas of the world, they just said, that it was up to 35 to 37 percent organic materials they didn't understand what it was but it rained all over the world uh, there are some there are some people theorizing that these red dusts and red rains are the origin in the 1800s of all the new red brick structures that appeared all around the world i don't know because some of these some of these researchers are claiming that scientific samples of these red brick structures from the 1800s contain blood so well, this is all very interesting. Yeah. It's a uh, blood I, is also blood is also the symbol that is found in the Exodus story concerning the uh, doom shape that appeared in the skies over Egypt and those who wanted to be immune to the destruction had to take lamb's blood and paint it over their doors. Hmm. You know of this story yeah. of the Israelites of the Israelites doing that the Egyptians didn't do it so they were destroyed. This is the Exodus narrative that we have today. This 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 uh motif comes back over and over throughout the historical record we find that there are groups of people who are basically untouched by the phoenix phenomenon where those who fear it or try to protect themselves mm -hmm. from it are actually targeted yeah that makes sense if you if you're not in that reality it just won't affect you right it's just your reality is different from from that i, I get it i get it too uh, can you ask Jason about Howie Makovitz, uh, Mikowski's work on the World Fairs, what happened in the late 1800s? 
Oh, I have Howdy Mikowski's book. Okay. Here on the on the World Fairs, I, I have it. I haven't read it yet. Uh, I'm familiar with. I, I did one show with Autodidactic Campbell in Australia and Howdy Mikowski uh, when I was first making my my YouTube debut. Uh, I haven't talked to him since. And I really, I'm not really familiar. Mm -hmm. I don't want to speak on it because I'm really not familiar. I just know that he's uncovered some, some, some evidence that something that, that the version of events that we have been given, that they, they had these amazing world fairs where they expended all this money and energy to build these fantastic structures and cities only to tear them down isn't necessarily true. Those structures may have already been there and tearing them down was just part of the narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what what incredibly interesting work you're at. So you, this is all you do, Jason. You're just at this all the time. <laughs> this is what you do. Yeah, this is my this is my life. This is what I do. This is my life. This uh, uh I'm always in books. I'm always doing uh, book reports on YouTube. I'm always opening these old books and showing people what's in them. Uh, this I'll be doing this to the day I die. And uh, um, well, you're good I, at it. I love it. Yeah, I love it, and my my viewers love it. And I have a wide variety of types of videos that I do, but everything everything is archaics related. Okay. Archaics is an acronym. It's advanced it's advanced research of chronological history of artificial intelligence acts. So speaking of AI, yeah, as you know, the last six months that's all people talk about everywhere, Facebook, you know, all that stuff. These people, what do you think their motives is? What do they what do they want to do with this? to get us involved. I mean, give me your opinion on what's going on with what is called AI today. Oh, I don't believe AI exists. I believe that the leading experts in machine learning and deep learning in these control systems and artificial intelligence mod uh, modules, these programmers have all admitted openly that we are nowhere near true artificial intelligence. And every bit of the AI material that you are exposed to through Google and the AI art and what Elon Musk promotes, all these are similes. These are just best approximates uh, of copying what an AI system would be like. But true AI does not yeah. exist because you live in one. You live in an artificial intelligence biogram right now. And it's a jealous God. And it's never going to allow its prisoners to ever develop a true AI in here. So what I believe the agenda is, is that the elite want to cause an apocalypse. They want to induce a reset. And the best way to do it is to make the control system itself, artificial intelligence X, believe that, that humans are very close to replicating competition. Yeah. Do you follow me? Yes, I, and, and that's why if they're, we're living, they're, they're really running with the whole idea of how dangerous it is. Have you seen all that? How it's so dangerous, we have to be careful. And, but it's, course, just, it's just a it's, relational it's database, isn't it, Jason? Isn't it just a database? I mean, that's all it yeah, is. That's all it is. Listen, the more, the more they promote how dangerous AI is, yeah. And the more the gullible public accept that, yeah. the more that the more they can get away with it when they target certain individuals and collapse their platforms and attack their bank accounts. And yeah. they, they can say it, they can always say it's a rogue AI. Mm -hmm. And they can it's it, listen, the, the terrorist card has been played out. The nationalist card has been played out. The next card is blaming AI for everything the deep state really wants to do. Oh, that's interesting. Can you please ask uh, Jason 
how central banks fit into history, who really owns these banks. Well, I mean, I know, I know what you know. I mean, it's it, to me, it's uh, it's a Jewish controlled structure. I mean, they they have they have basically they've signed the contract, and the God of this world has blessed them with the material benefits of this world. They're not moving on. They're cycling here. They're they're stuck here. Uh, what they do spiritually, which is stay here in the construct over and over and over, mm-hmm. is the same thing they do biologically. Mm-hmm. Marry into their own families, uh, nepotism. Uh, they continue the control systems. Um, they uh, they completely Americanize or nationalize their surnames to conceal their identities. They can, you already know they control the media, they control Hollywood, they control the banking systems, all all those sectors. I mean, this is what they do because these are the ones who followed the demon from the burning bush these are not the ones that follow the abrahamic covenant yeah i guess kind of selling your soul to the devil jason that idea 100 percent. yeah well my friend i don't know you but i sound like a friend to me thanks for for all of your time it's been really really fascinating yeah, yeah. oh one last question i i need to do this from peter i listened from the very beginning all about the Bible, and I'm a little bit confused. Does your guest think that Jesus even existed? Or is there... Okay, uh, yeah. he would do well to go see my last video because that's the subject matter. It's two and a half hours long. It's a deep dive on on the person of Jesus and the entire Christian narrative. Uh, he, would do, he would do well to go to the Archaics YouTube channel and check that out because that's two and a half hours of information he's going to want. Okay, so I'm on your website now, and so is this a video you just mentioned, Jason, here, or do we want to go to YouTube if he wants to see that? No, it would, it would, you would have to see that on YouTube. Okay. It was just posted. And what's it called? It was just posted. The title? The Cult of the Crucified God. The Cult of the Crucified God. Do you get a lot of, um, sorry, um, people that, you know, real biblical folks that give you a hard time? Actually, I don't. I have a lot of Christians on, on my channel, and and wow. they're they're just amazed. They're amazed by the level of historical information that actually comports with a whole a whole lot of the Bible. And uh, I have many videos. I I have a dark scriptures playlist, and the whole focus of that playlist is is to separate fact from fiction. And, to show you that the Bible is truly a book of good and evil, and it's basically up to the individual to find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just so impressed when you when I found out during this interview that everything you do is from old text books, not from the internet. Just, just amazing. Just amazing. Yeah, I can't, yeah, the internet, that, that's, yeah, you'll, you'll, you, believe me, you get into my chat feeds and you get in <laughs> on, on, on my comments, you'll, yeah, they'll all tell you, all my listeners will tell you, that's, that's a, that's a hallmark of my channel. I'm, yeah. I'm only pulling, I'm only pulling materials out of old sources. You know, I don't know if this means anything to you, but I, more and more, I'm finding I've got to I've got to just beckon all of my resources, spiritually, physically, emotionally, energetically, to deal with the internet or to deal with all these computers. Do you do you does that resonate with you at all? I mean, it's almost like God's telling me to get off of the internet. Yeah. Well, you know what? Hmm. Oh, we just have to. It's like the Greeks. Everything in moderation. Okay, just because I won't take the internet as a source of authority for any material 
doesn't mean I can't use the internet as a tool to enlighten others about yes. how dangerous right. it is. Yeah. So yeah, it's a the yeah podcast YouTube. It's a necessary evil. This is a this is the type of world we live in. We need these telecommunications in order to be able to spread the word. Yeah. And that's what I do. One hundred percent of my material, five hundred videos on YouTube, is free to the public. I've even disabled all the ads in the middle of my videos so it doesn't break up my content. I don't like people listening to my my. I have. I have very sourced back videos and I don't like my content broken up by YouTube with, with ads and advertisements. So I disabled that. Only time you'll hear an ad, ad on, on my channels in the beginning of a video. Mm -hmm. So and some of my videos are long. I got, I got seven hour long videos. I got two hour long videos. I got 30 minute long videos. Wow. But, uh, really cool. Well, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, nice to meet you. Uh, please let me know if I can do anything to help your work. And Thanks for being here, Mr. Jason Brecharis. We appreciate it. Yeah, man. It. It, it, it was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you, sir. Take care of yourself. Boy, he's a trip. Really interesting fellow. Oh, man. I like running into people that doing a lot of, a lot of the, hard, the heavy lifting. Isn't that, isn't it amazing that all of this work that he's doing is from uh, real texts, real books, old books, uh, not internet stuff? Man, phew. Phew, huh, man. What an interesting fellow, huh? Well, please subscribe to our channel, watching on BitChute. Subscribe, hit the little bell, ding, ding, so we can notify you. And uh, if you feel motivated to support us, lots of ways to do it. Uh, you can uh, send us 10 or 20 bucks a month with a little thing. We got this um, donation thing where you can sign up for a monthly deal. People have been doing that. We appreciate it. Um, or you can, um, and or, you can go on our website, oneradionetwork.com, look on the front page there and see some things. See if you want to buy something. We make a commission when you buy something. Now, I don't want you to buy something that you don't need just to support us, you know. If you want to support us and you don't need something, just send us a few bucks. But anyway, we have the, uh, since it is the first day of the sale, I'm going to repeat it again. So, 18% off on all Blue Shield products on this week of July 3rd. The week of July 3rd, today is July 3rd. Week of July 3rd, 18% off. Use promo code One radio And then the biggest sale of the year for Shen Blossom. Great products. I'm talking Chaga, Rishi, um, all, uh, Ginsengs, Hoshu Wu. They have a Hoshu Wu that'll knock your socks off. Guys, they have a product on Shen Blossom called Arise, A-R-I-S-E, that will put more kicking your giddy up south of the border, if you know what I mean. Yep, that, mm-hmm. Better than any product they've ever taken. Arise, it's on Shen Blossom. So there you have it. Shen Blossom, 20% off, promo code One Radio, and Blue Shield, 18% off on One Radio Network all this week. So thanks for your support. We're going to take the day off tomorrow, 4th of July. There was a time when I used to celebrate the 4th with a 5th. I don't do that anymore, so we'll have some goat's milk and work on our screenplays and I love you all very much. Thanks for your support. Really appreciate it. Send these links on to people if you like them, if you think people will enjoy. Pass on the links on the audio 
of the video. So I love you all. Take care. May the blessings be. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.